Welcome to Stand in the Gap Today with your host, the Honorable Sam Rohrer, President of the American Pastors Network, addressing the most pressing issues impacting our economy, our homes, our churches, our culture, and our daily lives from a biblical and constitutional perspective. Stand in the Gap Today, transforming the culture one heart at a time. Hello and welcome to this very important Wednesday edition of Stand in the Gap today. In just a moment, Dr. Carl Brogy, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church in Beaufort, South Carolina, and a regular guest here on our bi-monthly Israel and Prophecy Update Focus will be with me. He's also host, by the way, of his own radio program entitled Search the Scriptures, which you can find at searchthescriptures.org. But we're going to discuss a theme that I have announced, frankly, in a couple of different programs. And that theme is one that deals with what I consider the most fundamental questions that I am hearing from you, our listeners, and that which seems to be repeatedly arising in conversations that I'm having, even with genuine God-fearing men of God across the country. And this issue goes way beyond the daily news events that we talk about, including the war in the Middle East, for instance, or the flood of enemy combatants surging across our southern border in the news today. Even the headline news since last night regarding the Colorado Supreme Court disbarring Donald Trump from being on the primary ballot next year. And by the way, we're not going to deal with that today, but I am tomorrow with Constitutional Attorney David New. So listen to that as we'll give commentary on what's actually happening in the that matter. So to this matter today, what is the issue? Well, I think in simple terms, it's how to think about what's happening all around us. The seeming rush to war and the childish, selfish, and lawless actions of our really confused and, in most cases, arrogant politicians. It's how to think about where we are as a nation and what 2024 may bring. Now, two weeks ago, on Monday 11th, with Leo Homan, I addressed this issue on a program I entitled Anticipating 2024, and that was actually a part one, that was entitled Through the Eyes of the Beast System Globalist. Now, in that program, we were very precise in exactly what the anti-God Psalm chapter 2 type world leaders are actually saying that they are doing to usher in global government that they control and what they say is next in 2024 and beyond. But today my program title and focus is this, Anticipating 2024 Part 2 Through God's Eyes. Now taken together, I believe that the content of these two programs will help you, your family, and your friends to understand as well as possible what's happening so as best to think about what is yet to happen, how to prepare and to pray and to plan. And with that introduction, I'm going to welcome in right now Dr. Carl Brogy. Carl, thanks for being back with me on this really important consideration. Stan, it's always great to be here. And as I listen to your opening comments, uh, these are challenging days. I've been inundated with questions just in the last month on our Twitter account, on our YouTube account about Israel. And people are wondering what's going on in the world. We, we had actually had to take down the remarks off of YouTube because they were so vulgar and so hateful. So what we're discussing today is important. I'm looking forward to our time. Well, I am too. And I've got some big questions. And ladies and gentlemen, just so you know where we're going. This first segment, we'll talk about what does God say about our time in history? Next segment, how does God describe our current days in history? Third segment, how God says we should think in these days. And then last segment, 
how God says we should live in these days. And so it'll make logical sense. Stay with us as we go through it. All right, Carl, from God's perspective and what he's told us in his word, what does God say about our current time in history that makes this generation, those listening right now, this generation different than any other generation since the time of Christ? And it doesn't make any difference. Well, that's a superb question, and it's the question of the hour and, of course, the sign of the hour that we are at a unique time in human history is uh, concerns Israel. Moses spoke all the way down to the corridors of time in which we live in Leviticus 26, where he describes that God would scatter the Jewish people among all the nations of the world. So he's not talking about the Assyrian captivity or Babylonian captivity, but across the planet. In Deuteronomy, in the fourth chapter, he again says in Deuteronomy 4, I think it's verse 27, he said, I'll scatter you among all the peoples, and you'll be left few in number among the nations. And of course, Jesus, and I've opened my Bible to Luke 21, 24, he kind of narrows the time frame that Moses wrote about. He, uh, he says, and they will fall by the edge of the sword and will be led captive into all the nations and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And so Jesus looked at a time, and it began to unfold around 70 AD. It culminated around 135, where the Jewish people were, for the most part, just removed from their land. The land was renamed. But then God says, at the end of time, Moses in that same chapter in Deuteronomy 24 says, in the latter days, and that's a term, as you know, used in the Old Testament by the prophets to refer to that time frame in which the Messiah comes and sets up his kingdom. God says, you'll hear my voice, you'll listen. In the 28th chapter, he said, I'll, I'll gather you among all the peoples from one end of the earth to the other. And that is what we have seen witnessed in our day. Ezekiel, the prophet, says the same thing. I'll take you from all the nations and gather you from all the lands and bring you into your own land. And so, again, this is to happen in the latter years. And so uh, we know we're in the time frame that's unique. We're, we're living in a time that's remarkable. And sadly, uh, Sam, I think most believers are asleep to what's happening. We're seeing a day that many longed and looked for for centuries. And, um, and it centers around Israel, the super sign, the key determining proof that we're in that last time frame is the rebirth of the nation and the regathering of the Jews. And so in 1890, when the Zionist movement started, there was about 20,000 Jews in Israel. Today, there are 7.4 million Jewish people of approximately 13 million Jews on the planet. And he keeps bringing them, and even with this recent conflict, just came out yesterday in the BBC, uh, a survey they did. Half the Jews in Great Britain want to now leave England because of persecution. And even Jewish people in the United States are becoming fearful, and God continues to unfold prophecy right before our eyes. All right. So, Carl, basically what you're saying is that God's fulfillment of bringing the people back to the land, Israel rebirthed in a day, people being regathered, still being regathered, is that one single thing that makes this generation, all of us right now, unique among all of the generations from the time of Christ till now. That's what you're saying. 
just as God used Israel to bring about the first coming, he's using Israel to bring about the second coming. They have to be in the land in place for the final prophetic schedule as it relates not to the rapture, but for the second coming to happen. All right. Excellent. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, our theme today is this. Stay with us if you're just joining us. Anticipating 2024. It's just ahead of us. How should we consider that? But today we're looking at through God's eyes. My special guest, is Dr. Carl Brogy, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church. When we come back, we're now going to look at what God says and how He tells us to think about our days. For years, faithful Christians formed nonprofit foundations or trusts to preserve their ability to generously give to their favorite causes or ministries, even after their death. The problem? Professional managers, pressure from left-wing agendas, and even family members with opposing views hijacked the original donor intent. This is sad, but true. But this subversion of purpose can be prevented. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr of the American Pastors Network, and I'm glad to recommend Capstone Legacy Foundation in Wayne, Pennsylvania, an experienced and capable Christian community foundation. Established to help you set up a ministry, a giving structure guaranteed not to be hijacked, or a place you can donate cash or non-cash assets like stocks, bonds, or property, Capstone's designed to help you achieve immediate tax savings and give you needed time to decide how to prayerfully allocate your giving. Contact Capstone at 610-688-8890 or visit them at capstonelegacy.org. You're listening to Stand in the Gap today. For more information, visit our website at standinthegapradio.com. If you're just joining us today, our theme is Anticipating 2024. I know you are. I am. I think everybody is. But how do we view what is about us and coming? A couple weeks ago, we looked at it from the standpoint of the globalists, the elite of the world, and what they say is happening, and we looked through their eyes and what they said. More importantly, we're going to conclude this year by looking through and anticipating 2024 through the eyes of God himself. And so in the last segment, Dr. Brogy made it very clear that it's distinctive, our generation in which we live. And what makes it most distinctive? Well, it's the fact that this generation, our generation, you and me, if you're listening to me right now, we are alive in the days after God has brought Israel back to the land, after he dispersed them among the nations around 70 AD, and he's taken what he said he would do to them, and he's brought them back as exactly he said he would. That makes every consideration that we have different than every previous generation. So, all right, now, what does God say about our days? Well, in thinking about this, you know, when God created man in his own image, he created all of us with ability and knowledge, free will, the capacity to worship and love. And man has always wanted to know more. This desire can be good, such as the seeking of truth and the fear of God will lead to knowledge and wisdom and eternal life. And that's good. However, the desire to know more when there is no fear of God will lead to death, as did the devil's temptation of Eve in the garden. Now, throughout Scripture, people always wanted to know more. For the God-rejectors, Jesus encountered them. He told the Pharisees in Matthew 6:14, he said, A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. What was their problem? Well, it's because what they were seeking for was they wanted to consume it in their own selfish pursuit of power. Yet we're told in Luke 2, 25, that Simeon, who says there, was looking and 
waiting for the consolation of Israel, the birth of the Messiah, because the Holy Spirit was upon him. See, his thinking and his desires to know more about what was happening in his time, that was good. Then the disciples in many places, most notably in Matthew 24, perhaps, they came to Jesus and they wanted to know what was ahead. And so they asked him, and Jesus was very glad to answer them. So, all right, within that context, Carl, therefore, knowing that we who are alive now can be assured that our time in history places us with great certainty in the latter years, as you just described, here's my next question. How does God describe these current days, and how should that inform our view of where we are, and therefore what's coming next? That's a super question. You know, God gives all kinds of detailed prophecies about the end of the age. And again, the super sign is Israel. With Israel in the land, what is so fascinating, Sam, is there's a convergence of signs happening all at once. For instance, God prophesies that there'll be basically moral rot and decay in the culture. I've just opened here to Luke uh, 17, and it says, Jesus is speaking, and just as it happened in the days of Noah, so also being the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. His point was is there will be an atmosphere similar to Noah's day. In Noah's day in Genesis uh, really 4, 5, and 6, the time leading up to the flood, were days of just moral decay, lawlessness, violence. It was just continual. And, of course, Jesus is highlighting the time frame during the great tribulation, after the restrainer through the church, God, the spirit is removed, and that it's going to grow and exasperate even more. But it's happening in our day. Uh, before the water can break and you can have the birth pangs, you have to have a pregnancy. And God is shouting, the pregnancy is here, and it's nearly full term. Then he says, it happened in the same way in the days of Lot. Again, they are carrying on, eating, drinking, buying, selling, planning, building, like nothing was going to happen. And then suddenly brimstone came down from heaven. It will be just the same on the day the Son of Man came. So we have days of moral impropriety and lawlessness in Noah's day, and we have days of sexual perversion in Lot's day. And just look at what's happened in terms of the perversion and how it's grown and multiplied. Another sign is that God says, realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. I'm reading now from 2 Timothy 3. Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Sounds like a commentary on our day. And while in some respect this applied to Timothy's day, he goes on and says in that chapter in verse 13, but evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. In other words, it's going to increase as we move into the last of the last days. So you have violence, moral rot, you have difficult days for Christians, you have apostasy um, that's really led by Satan. The Spirit explicitly says, 1 Timothy 4.1, I've just turned there, and he says, in latter times, and here's a term that he uses not just for 
the last days that technically began while Christ was here and with Pentecost, but the last of the last days and latter times, some will fall away from the faith, meaning the body of truth we call the Bible, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. I mean, look what the Pope has done. In July, he formed an agreement just recently affirming the blessing of same-sex marriage. It was translated and made public in October, just really kind of hit the press in the last few days. This is a falling away from the faith, and sadly it's happening in so-called evangelical churches. They're embracing same-sex attraction and so on. And, and then another major sign is that there'll be a growing hatred towards Israel, a spirit of anti-Semitism. And so Zechariah says, I'm going to make Jerusalem a cup that causes reeling to all the peoples around. It will come about in that day. I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples. And then in the 14th chapter, I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle. And again, Jerusalem has to be in place. Israel has to be in the land. How did he fulfill all the prophecies in Zechariah concerning the first coming? Twelve of them, literally. We can expect the same for the second coming that he's speaking of here. So there'll be this hatred, and Jesus spoke of it, uh, reaching its height in the tribulation. Uh, then they will deliver you over and kill you, and you will be hated, speaking of the Jewish people, by all nations because of my name. And so, you know, during the Holocaust, you had a handful of nations that participated, a plethora of nations like our own that were silent. But now we have a plethora of nations that are speaking out against Israel. And this, again, is showing there's a pregnancy, the water's going to break, a convergence of all these things happening at once, and we'll almost have to be blind not to see it. And let me follow up. I have a lot of questions, but here's one that comes up often. Carl, I'd like to ask you this. Since the days that Jesus described the latter years, we're talking about to his disciple Matthew 24, he says there are deception, wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, famines, sicknesses, false prophets, some of the things you just mentioned. I have found it's an amazing thing. Many people will take and dismiss these signs, what Jesus said, as meaningless to us now. I've heard some go as far as to say, well, it's actually wrong to cite that passage and to apply it to today because that's pure scare tactic speculation because, frankly, as they say, there have always been some war going on. There's always been an earthquake happening somewhere around the world. People have gotten sick in the past. Therefore, you have no right to take and say this is different in this time. Would you speak to that? Well, that's a half-truth. And when you make a half-truth, the whole truth, it becomes an untruth. And what they're really responding to are people who have exploited passages like that, often in the names of making money. You know, a book came out in 1988, 88 Reasons Why Christ Will Return in 88. They mocked it on ABC National News. I can still hear Peter Jennings. Hal Lindsey, you know, he isolated not to a day or an hour, but to a decade, to a generation. When Jesus said, when this generation sees these things, look up, your redemption draws nigh. He's speaking about the generation that's alive when those literal events in Matthew Matthew 24 take place. But again, for those events to take place, you've got to have Israel in the land, the Jewish people gathered, because it's all about Israel. And then you got Harold Camping again. He made a debacle of evangelicalism. He set a date three times, 
never happened. Jesus made it clear, no one knows the day or the hour, but the scripture is clear. We can know the season in which the Lord is returning. Paul underscores that in 1 Thessalonians 5, and he speaks of the fact that he's coming, Jesus, like a thief in the night for the people of this world, but not for us. We're sons of light. We ought to be alert. And the assumption in Hebrews 10.25, when he tells us not to forsake our assembling together, but encourage one another, and then he says, all the more as you see the day drawing near. There's an assumption that you can see the day drawing near. And so for people to dismiss what we're looking at, again, with the super sign, Israel and the land and all this convergence happening at once, they have thrown the baby out with the bathwater. They've responded to the nonsense of Hal Lindsey. I mean, the guy was a serial adulterer. Every time he put out a new book, he had a new wife in the back four times. You know, and you've got to listen to spirit-filled men who rightly divide the word of truth. Anyway, it's a great question. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so here we are. We're in a definitely different time, latter years of the end days, which began when Christ ascended. So we're in that time. We're at the end because Israel is back. The days being described by Jesus are here. What's different? It's a converging. It's an increasing in frequency and intensity, like a birth. Therefore, we should be alert when we come back. How does God say we should think? As we close out one year and enter another, can I share with you a true story and then ask for your help? Here's the story. Ten years ago, God modified a man's calling from political office to the pulpit. The new mission? To boldly and lovingly communicate the authority of Scripture through the mouths of preachers, challenge the pulpit, and edify the remnant believer because he knew the day was evil and the time short. That man was me. For 10 years, my team and I have been faithful to that calling. God's been faithful to us. From one program on one radio station to three programs on over 800, Stand in the Gap radios reaching millions, making disciples, and equipping soldiers of the cross by connecting the principles of Scripture with the headline news of the day. Across America and now in Eastern Europe, Stand in the Gap TVs reaching millions with the gospel and uniquely equipping new believers to live biblically and stand in the gap for truth. Until the Lord returns, we're compelled to occupy till He comes with great earnestness as we see the day approach, to consider open doors like reaching millions more in America and 30 million mostly Muslims in Eastern Europe. We also need to finish this year financially strong. Now here's my request in three ways you can help if you've not done so already. First, consider giving a year-end sacrificial APN 10th anniversary gift. Second, join our Gideon 300 partners. If you've been blessed by this program and our ministry, will you become one of our Gideon 300 Forging Ahead partners by committing to just a dollar a day for three years? Just $365 now. Just 300 people doing a little will accomplish much. Third, commit to praying daily for this ministry and our entire team. With the Lord's soon return and censoring of the truth so evident, the window's closing. Now's the time for us to move ahead. Partner with a generous year-end gift. Join our Gideon 300 Forging Ahead partners. Pray daily for us. Just write or go to StandInTheGapRadio.com. I'm Ruth Kramer with Mission Network News. Rescuers race against the cold in rural northwest China, searching for survivors of Monday's deadly earthquake. The 6.2 magnitude quake hit Gansu province just before midnight, killing at least 127 people in one of China's poorest regions. Thankfully, none of Bibles for China's church partners were directly affected by the quake, so they're able to help those in need. 
Ask God to help the rescuers find survivors before it's too late. Pray believers find opportunities to share the hope of Christ. In other news, Doug and Brad Hutchcraft from Ron Hutchcraft Ministries cover a bit of everything in their podcast, Go Mad with Doug and Brad. The podcast title comes from a phrase their dad would often use, Go Make a Difference. In their podcast, Doug and Brad chat about how Christians are daily ambassadors for Christ and have an effect on people around them. That influence can be used to share the gospel. You can check out the podcast. We'll link you at missionnews.org. Mission Network News, a service of One Way Ministries. I'm Ruth Kramer. You're listening to Stand in the Gap today, discussing the pressing issues facing our culture from a biblical and constitutional perspective. Now let's rejoin our host. Well, as recorded in John 3.16, we all know that verse, for God so loved the world. Well, the greatest evidence of God's love for this world was in the person of Jesus Christ, who came 2,000 years ago as the sinless sacrifice, right? This Christmas time, that's, that's what happened. That's why we celebrate it. With that love comes God's gift of eternal life, which we're told about in Romans. And God's gift of eternal life comes to all who agree with God about His Son's birth and death and resurrection. The other great gift is that of God's written Word, which tells of God's plan of redemption, past and present and future. And God's love for us as His true adopted children is manifested in His Word, so that unlike the world which just blindly plunges ahead into death, we as children of the light, are able to walk in the light, understand the times in which we live, to be in the world but not of the world, and to keep our eyes on the coming eternal city not made with hands. In simple terms, God tells us how to think and live and navigate in these difficult days. All right, now, Carl. I know that there are many passages to which you can take and direct our thinking, but understanding all that we've just discussed, our unique time, excuse me, our unique time in history, and then what God says about our times, which we can look around and say, yeah, this this is exactly what the Lord was saying. Would you share some pertinent verses that should instruct, I'm going to say, the thinking of all God-fearing persons living in these most amazing days. And, and I'm going to say, based on all these things, heading into a perilous 2024 and beyond. How should we think? Well, uh, several passages come to mind. You know, I think in the Olivet Discourse, Jesus said, don't fear, these things must happen. And so as believers, we have written in concrete what God says is going to happen. Prophecy, is, of course, is history pre-written, as we've discussed many, many times. And so the Lord told us these days are going to come, but we can rest in that the fact that he is in control. So what should it do to us? Well, among other things, we should be different. We should be holy. Uh, the Apostle Paul reminds us in the context that Christ is returning in Romans 13, and he'll say, make no provision for the flesh, for the sin nature, in regards to its loss. And it's interesting that that is in the context of the Lord's near return. Why? Because evil grows. It multiplies. And so there'll be more opportunity for Christians to compromise. All the more we need to watch ourselves. Peter um, makes a similar statement in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, and he tells us that because the Lord's returning, we should employ our gifts in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold 
whole grace of God. In other words, we should be involved in the local church, not sitting on our hands, but using our spiritual gifts and employing them. Uh, John, the apostle says, beloved, we're children of God. It's not appeared as yet what we're going to be, but we know that when Jesus appears, we'll be like him because we'll see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope on him purifies himself as he is pure. So it should change our inner being, our service, and it should lead us to evangelism. Look, if we know the future, we should be telling people what's going to happen ahead and warn them of the ultimate judgment that is going to come. You know, I find it interesting. I, we, we had a world missions conference and I did, we had about 150 missionaries from 38 countries who came and, and I said, guys, look, there's only one command after the resurrection and before the ascension, only one command given five times in scripture to God's people, and that is to go evangelize the world. So we need to keep the main thing, the main thing. I had a group of pastors in my office last week, and they said, well, what do you think the problem is in the church today? I said two things. Number one, the church is undertaught. Most pastors are not expositing God's word. They're just coasting on Sunday morning. They don't spend the time they need. And number two, the world is unevangelized. We're not sharing our faith. It used to be churches had outreaches, visitation programs, one thing after another. The average Christian in America America no longer shares his faith. And so because of that, uh, the country is in gross decay. And if anything, Bible prophecy ought to be an opportunity to witness. You know, people ask me, what's going on in the world? It seems very confused. And I say, well, it's actually not. The things you're witnessing is what Jesus said would happen. And I relate some truth. And, you know, you find like Philip, using Isaiah's prophecy concerning Christ's first coming to evangelize. Peter on Acts 2, he uses Joel's prophecy and something about King David, uh, fulfilled prophecy in reference to Christ's first coming. And we should do the same in reference to Christ's second coming. It's a great opportunity to help an unsaved, unregenerate world among those who are interested to, to share the good news of Christ's love and forgiveness and in salvation. Okay, that's great. Let me go follow up on that in regarding, regarding thinking. You used uh, a phrase, um, f- Jesus said, now here's a lot of things that are going to happen, wars, rooms, r- roars, deceptions, and that kind of thing. But he said, don't be perplexed. <laughs> All right. And we, we've already talked about it. We're not to think like the world who's going crazily confused, believing everything that's coming down the pike, because he says, don't deceive. You've got a lot of false prophets that are coming. We see these things. Um, uh, so, th- therefore, th- those are things that all touch on how we should think or not should think. Let me ask you a question here. We're, we're talking today on this program, anticipating 2024. Everything we hear from the news it's basically bad. We we know the news is in right now under the control of the wicked one. It's in it's designed to deceive, to lead us not to Christ but away from Christ. This is this is saturating all that God's people are hearing and seeing. The, hey, there's a tendency, uh, Carl, I think, for people to just say, cover their ears and say, I don't want to even talk about any of this stuff. Uh, ignore everything that's going on around me because it's not pleasant. Now, I know that there is a bit of truth in that, clearly. But should a, an astute believer who's looking at what is happening, 
Should he say, I don't want to talk about what's happening? Or is there a way about talking about what is happening with the purpose of bringing us more in alignment with how God says we ought to think? Could you deal with that just a little bit? Yeah, uh, my hope obviously is not in the next president. It's in the living God. That doesn't mean that I should not look for uh, political representatives who best coincide with God's point of view, and that as a pastor that I should not preach about the critical moral issues that we're facing in our day. Because every time we do that, what we are doing is holding up God's standard, and that's a good thing because as Paul says to the Galatians, the law is God's schoolmaster, his tutor to lead people to faith in Christ. So when we speak about, hey, we want a a candidate who's going to protect life in the womb, a candidate who's not going to herald perversion like transgenderism and homosexuality, a candidate who's not going to curse the nation of Israel. We are holding up God's standard, and God uses that to wake up the minds of the unregenerate lost people of this world to bring them into the kingdom. So Jesus made it clear. He said, you're the salt of the earth. If the salts become tasteless, it can't be made salty again. If you're, you're the light of the world, a city on a hill can't be hidden. You don't put your lamp under a basket. You put it up on the lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. And so while I know the end story, it does not, if I knew Jesus was coming back in two months and nobody knows that, it still would not change my responsibility to be salt and light today in the culture in which I find myself. And that's important. That's important for the church to recognize that. My hope is not in dominion theology that we're going to turn the United States of America around and everything's going to be fixed. That's just not realistic because in the end, things get worse. But it doesn't mean I don't try to make this place as God-honoring as it can be. Well, what you've just described there to me would be how I would say God's Christ's command occupy till I come. And that command hasn't changed from the day that Christ walked to the day the rapture occurs to the day that he comes back in the second coming. It's just that we face different challenges, correct? But for the believer, um, we have the, the, the commands of what we need to do hasn't changed much, has it? You know, it's interesting because with almost every single passage in the New Testament that speaks of Christ's return, either for the church or in the kingdom age at his second coming, there's an accompanying command as to how we should live and how we should act. So prophecy is not designed to make us smarter sinners. It's designed to make us more like Jesus Christ. It is designed to conform us to his image, to live more passionately and more, you know, z- zealously for, for the things that concern him and that are important to him. And with that, uh, Carl, we're just about at the break. So, ladies and gentlemen, let me just um, go here with you. When we come back, we've already talked a little bit about how we should think. And that's what this this segment here, how we should think. What we should think is how God thinks. He's given us in his word what is going to take place. He describes the days in which we live. We now know already from what we've talked about, since Israel's back in the land, we are a unique generation, and the return of Christ, therefore, is more at hand now than it ever was for any other generation. Okay, that makes things different for us, and we can see these things, these signs converging, and 
lawlessness increasing, and because it's in this window, right, it does make a difference. It does make a difference. So when we come back, we're going to concentrate a little bit more, and I'm going to ask Carl to go a little bit more into detail as we break out in a practical sense, okay, how we should think. We just described that. Further, how then should we then live? That's the ultimate question. In light of these things, then how should we live in light of the fact that these things are. A father once told his disobedient son that he would send him to go sleep in the attic with only bread and water for his supper if he broke the rules again. The child did disobey again and was sent to the attic, but the father couldn't eat because he had his boy on his mind. His wife said, I know what you're thinking. Don't bring him down from the attic. It's only going to cause him to disobey again, and he won't respect your word. The husband replied, you're right. I won't break my word. But he is so lonely up there. He kissed his wife goodnight. He entered the attic. He ate bread and water with the boy. And when the child went to sleep on those hard boards, his father's arm was his pillow. This illustrates what Christmas is all about. For God so loved the world that he gave. Just as the father entered the attic, God stepped into time, he wrote himself in human flesh so that he could exchange our sin for his righteousness. I'm Pastor Steve Harrelson from the American Pastors Network. Merry Christmas from all of us at Standing the Gap Radio. From the time our children are born until the moment they leave our homes as young adults, Christian parents are given the privilege and responsibility of guiding them into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. All during their growing years, they're influenced by the people and events around them. Sometimes these are out of our control, but many times we can make choices as to how they'll be educated, what church they'll attend, and the overall atmosphere of our home. If you've decided your child is best influenced by a biblical worldview education, you'll want to consider BJU Press homeschool materials. Dedicated to academic excellence, BJU Press offers a curriculum that not only assists you to pass along your values to your children, but makes it easy and affordable. The decisions made in response to the challenges and opportunities your child will face in life are largely determined by their internal spiritual compass. Is your child ready for the journey? Find out more at BJUPress.com. That's BJUPress.com. With a one-minute look at culture from a Christian worldview, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. The rising generation is our most educated generation if you compare the number of millennials who've completed bachelor's degrees with that of previous generations. However, as British commentator Peter Hitchens recently said, being schooled is not the same as being educated. What he said about British schools could also be applied to U.S. schools. Our education system teaches the young what to think, not how to think. If you ever wonder why so many things don't work properly anymore or why you can't get any sense out of so many organizations, this is one of the main reasons. When students are indoctrinated in critical theories regarding gender and race, when pushbacks considered harassment and racism when the main point is to sexualize children, that's not education. Steve Garber put it, education always and everywhere is about the deepest questions of life in the world. Education wrestles with hard questions, training students to think critically and creatively. Christians have always championed this kind of education. We should today as well. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. Now just days away, while Christmas anticipation builds for us, it was even more so for Mary and Joseph. Imagine an angel telling you not to be afraid, even though your baby's father was God. 
and his name would be Emmanuel, God with us. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr with the American Pastors Network and a timely stand in the Gap Minute. Marvel with me, if you would, at this amazing miracle. God, the creator of human life, becomes father to his son Jesus, the son of God, who was born to die. So if we believe in him, we too can become a son of God. Now think about it. God in the flesh dies for our sins so we can also become a son of God to his father, now our father, and become brothers and joint heirs with Jesus himself. I can't explain this, but I can't accept it. Have you experienced this miracle? You can. Partner with us in prayer and finances. Just go to AmericanPastorsNetwork.net. You're listening to Stand in the Gap today. For more information, visit our website at StandInTheGapRadio.com. Well, throughout the entirety of Scripture, the remnant uh, that if you're a believer, you know what I'm talking about. It's all through Scripture, the remnant, the true believers. Um, they have always been admonished to walk worthy, to live holy, to remember their relationship to God above their calling, to let their light shine, to be Christ ambassadors in an evil, evil world and more. And, and, and I would say that expectation of God and the duty of man has, hasn't changed since creation. However, how people along that line have understood that and, and have they've therefore modified perhaps how they live, because the, the Old Testament were not as we would call ambassadors of Christ, because Christ had not come. Yet in reality, they were the remnant walking and needing to walk worthy of God, to letting their light shine. So you understand what I'm saying. The, the times in which people in the past have lived did impact and should impact how they actually intentionally carried out their duties uh, before God. And understanding that distinction, I think, is what we're going to conclude today's program here considering. Uh, Carl, as we always do in this program, we ask this question, all right, in, in light of these things that we've talked about today, all of these things that are coming around all of us, it's coming into our ears, it's into our head, um, some more know about, some, you know, know more about what we're talking about than others. We try to talk about all of these things during the course of our Standing Gap Today program so that people, God's people who want to know, are aware. But nonetheless, there's a lot of information there's a lot of things to process. And if and or since what we've talked about is true, we are in the latter years. Israel is back in the land. We're seeing and being witness to God's fulfilling plan of prophecy taking place before our eyes. We are feeling the sense of the birth pangs of the frequency and intensity of all of the various signs that Jesus said coming with greater rapidity, intensity, and frequency. So we know a birth is about before us. All right. So, all right. In, in light of that, in light of that, build out again a little bit more. How should this practically, practically guide the person who is listening, who's a God-fearing person, who, um, who, is not wanting to run from what we see because it's difficult, but take what God says about what is going to happen and live like we should be living in these days. Take and build that out a little bit more in detail for us. 
Well, Jesus said, uh, the King James renders it, sufficient is the evil until the day thereof. It's an idiom and maybe better rendered today. Every day has enough trouble of its own. And so we have to live one day at a time, Sam, because our time is important and our life is made up of days and months and years all put together. So, you know, Paul says, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time. Why? Because the days are evil. And Jesus promised the days would increasingly get dark as we move towards the end of the age. And then he says, don't be foolish, but understand God's will. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. So number one, if I'm going to live my life well, I need to be a Spirit-filled Christian. Uh, there are four commands in the New Testament that summarize that. I'm not to grieve the Spirit. I do that if there's unconfessed known sin in my heart. I'm not to quench the Spirit. I do that if I'm unwilling in the positive commands to do what God says. Like God positively tells me to go and share my faith. He doesn't just pay preachers and missionaries to do that. That's uh, a mandate for every believer. I'm to walk by the Spirit as you receive Christ so you depend on Him. Uh, just as I came bankrupt to Him in need of salvation through the cross, so I am to walk that way. I can't live the Christian life in my own power. I need Him day by day, and I'm to sow to the Spirit. So those are four commands. I sow to the Spirit by speaking, I mean by meditating on Scripture. So make the most of your time. Be Spirit-filled. Number two, I would say that if you're a leader in the church, you're called to teach sound doctrine and to guard the church. And if you're a parent or a grandparent, you're called to teach sound doctrine and guard your home. And we're living in a day where we're losing families. And a lot of that comes down to the dads and moms who are not taking seriously their mandate to ground their children in doctrine and using everything they have available. So, you know, a church has a midweek service. Folks blow it off. They have an opportunity to come to a special conference and to grow deeper. They blow it off. Why? Because they've got other priorities. And then they wonder why when their children grow up, they're inconsistent or maybe even turn their backs on the faith. Jude says, listen, certain persons have crept in unnoticed. And he says they turn the grace of God into licentiousness. And look at all these churches. I mean, once great churches in America, even five, six years ago, are now turning their backs on the gospel, embracing same-sex attraction, all kinds of things. Paul warns the Ephesian elders in Acts 20. He says, after I leave, savage wolves are going to come in. They won't spare the flock, and they'll even arise from among your own selves. And so you have to watch because people, again, sneak into the church unaware. So one, guard your church, guard your home from false teaching. That involves intentional teaching and training, just as Deuteronomy 6, the greatest commandment Jesus said, underscores. Invest in eternal things. You know, Jesus said a lot about money. He told 38 parables, half of them, 16, dealt with our possessions. Why? Because where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. And so it starts in your local church, but it starts with ministries like this, Stand in the Gap Radio. Uh, they're doing a great work for the cause of Christ. You should invest in things that are eternal because everything that you own someday, 50 years from now or less, someone else is going to own should the Lord tarry. And so store up treasure in heaven, not on earth. And then I would say, finally, we need to prepare ourselves, our children, and certainly our grandchildren and as pastor, our church members for persecution. I mentioned on our uh, Search of Scriptures YouTube account, we had to shut down the comments because the vulgarity, the hatred, the swear words 
against us have just grown. I mean, it's unbelievable. Paul reminds us, indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Jesus promised us, blessed are you when men persecute you. Say all kinds of evil um, for the sake of righteousness, because you're living a holy life. Rejoice, be glad. Why? Because God's going to reward you in the future kingdom. In John 15, he describes our relationship to him, our relationship to one another, and then our relationship to the world. And he just says, look, if the world hates you, Know that it hated me first. If you were of the world, they'd love you. So look, as the world becomes more worldly, and that's what's going to happen at the end of the age, persecution is not going to be lessened. It is going to grow. It's going to intensify. And we may think that somehow we can escape it in America, but we're not. It's increasing. I mean, I just talked to my college students who come home over Christmas break, and the things that they are now facing and the hatred just for not embracing the immorality of the culture on the average campus. It's growing, it's deepening, it's expanding. And so we need to be ready. I mentioned to you before we went on the air what was happening in Northern India. Um, In terms of churches, uh, in the last six months, 357 churches burned to the ground. 4,550 homes of born-again believers burned to the ground. Um... Uh, villages, Christian villages, where they gather together, 292 totally destroyed, 153 believers martyred on the level of what we're seeing Hamas did to the Jews on October the 7th, and over 800 plus believers injured. Uh, India is now the largest country in the world. They just surpassed China. And so we've got believers there. Our church has over 50 missionaries there, and they're beating the bushes but they're being persecuted, so we need to be prepared. Oh, boy. Dr. Carl Brogy, thank you so much for all of that. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you got this. Expectation for 2024, all right? We've talked about it. Go back and listen to this program. Go back and listen to the one from December uh, 11. But God in His Word tells us all we need to know, prepares us for what we will face and it helps to establish our priorities. Let's live victoriously because greater is he that's within us than he that is within the world. If you like today's program, tell a friend. You'll also want to hear Stand in the Gap Weekend and watch the nationally syndicated Stand in the Gap TV program. We present the news of the day truthfully, carefully, and consistently from a biblical worldview and constitutional perspective. If you're hungry for the truth, visit StandInTheGapMedia.org to find all our programs and the stations that carry them. While you're there, be sure to download our free app and support this ministry with your best financial gift. Then join us again right here Monday through Friday for another program of Stand in the Gap Today.